Well, I love this church. You guys are wonderful. What a privilege it is to pastor this group of people. And as I was, if I can, Kurt, can I get that up here, please? Thanks. There's a good statement from a while back. It says, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. I'll say that again. The statement says, in essentials, we're unified, unity. In non-essentials, we have liberty. And in all things, we have charity or love. And we, as a church, we're unified in the essential core of our belief. There's many things that we are very unified in. We believe that there is only one God, the creator of heaven and earth. And that he knows us and he loves us. And that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Jesus Christ, divine son of God, who died for our sins. And salvation is through grace and through believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. In this, there's absolute unity as a church. But there are non-essentials, things that are important. Now, not because they're not important, but the things in which we can have different perspectives on that are not key to salvation. There are things that we, on which we agree to disagree, that there is room within the body of Christ, because if you have to only worship with those who agree with you in every single point, you'll be worshiping all alone. We all have differences, some greater than others, but we learn to agree to disagree, and our love and our trust and our relationships is what bonds us together, which allows us to sit down and talk and discuss and, and seek the scriptures and find out what would be true. These are called the non-essentials, and today we have that illustrated very well because the Vikings are playing against the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, when I came, came into this church and realized that not only were some fans of Green Bay attending this church, but they had the audacity to wear their Packer jerseys to the temple of the living God. And I, I you know, this was hard, but I remembered that in, I had to put it down to that non-essential category and realize that there could be unity in, under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ between Packer and Viking fans. And, you know, it goes even a level deeper. We have some marriages in this church that are in non-essentials divided between Packers and the Vikings. Like uh, we have the Pearsons here, they're wearing their, uh, their colors. And then we have the Knudsons, uh, where are they? There we go, wearing their colors. And how's it work? Your marriage still working out okay with this? Uh... Mostly, someone said over here. Um, I sure hope so. I hope on the fun things of which team you support in football, on many other things that we can find unity as a church and have differences of perspectives on the important, hear me, important non-essentials. Non-essential does not mean these things are not important to our lives. They mean that they are not the issues on which unity is based, that we can find liberty in these areas. 
going to talk about that a little bit this morning, but let's pray as we get going. Jesus, I pray that you would make us one and that we'd understand what being one means, Lord. May we find our love and our unity in our oneness and may we find that in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today is Life Group Launch Sunday. It's a Sunday in September where we're going to dismiss church a little bit earlier, let you have a chance to head up to these tables if you've not registered online and have the opportunity to join one of our life groups. But you already knew that, didn't you? This is Life Group Launch Sunday. And a friend of mine said to me this week, he said, so uh, help me understand the big fuss you have here at church about life groups. Why are they so important to us? You know, my life is busy, too busy, and now you're saying you want to add something into it. Why should I rearrange my life or my priorities or my schedule to make room for life groups? I, I, I need to know why. You know, honestly, that's a really good question. Because if you're like me, your life is busy. We fill our lives with a lot of things. We don't like too much downtime, and there's just a whole lot of things that we fill our lives. And then we talk about life groups, and probably a fair amount of us would say, not sure how that fits into my life. My life doesn't really work with that. I don't know that I can make that work. And I think you deserve a why. And part of my sermon this morning is to help you at least understand why I believe why the church believes this is important to your life and to our lives as the body of Christ here at, at City Hill. So let me start. Big picture. God has saved us from hell. We don't talk much about hell. It's not as pretty of a topic as heaven, right? There's a book out, Heaven is for Real. Probably the sequel should be Hell is for Real, too. God has saved us from hell because we are sinners. If you don't believe that sin is a part of the human nature, just hang around kids for a little while. Hang around my kids. Hang around my granddaughters. You just see it's the mind. It's my, you, sin comes quite easily, quite naturally to us. And sin separates us from a holy God, but God has saved our souls from hell. And whenever you're feeling sad or depressed, just stop and rejoice that those of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has saved our souls and our lives from hell. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not go to hell, but have eternal life with God. Great news. God has saved our souls. But let me just tell you, folks, salvation is more than fire insurance. Salvation is more than I got saved. Boy, wonderful. That's the end of my testimony. Salvation is a, when you're born again, we look at these little children here, the end of the story is not, they were born. That's an exciting day. We celebrate. We get these newsletters through church that goes, New baby, praise the Lord. We all get excited about a new baby, but that is not the end of their story. 
The birth is their first step into this incredible world and what God and the plans and the purposes that God has for them, we can only imagine. And as we get saved, it's because God saves us for a purpose. He saves us because God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives. God has an incredible plan for each of our lives. And I know sometimes you feel like, well, I think I'm missing it. Well, we probably all get off from time to time, but God is so gracious to pull us back, to bring us back to the path, to bring us back to the way and the plans that he has for us. He is the great redeemer. When I picture the Lord in heaven, I picture him with this great celestial mop called redemption, that we mess it up and he says, I can make something beautiful out of that. It's not that he wants us to mess up, but he's able to redeem our lives and bring us back, to put us back on path and do wonderful things through each one of us. So there is a plan for our life and there's a purpose. And part of that plan is that when you got saved, God called you into this family. Here we are, City Hill. At least for today, you're part of this family here at City Hill. And when you got saved, it wasn't so that you and God could go hide away in a mountain retreat center and commune, end of story. Not at all. That's good for a weekend. That's good maybe for a week, but there is time that God calls us and says, you're part of the body of Christ. And you know, here we are, body of Christ, at City Hill this morning, and we are a part, so you are a part of this body of Christ this morning. But we are a part of the body of Christ here in Minneapolis, in the Twin Cities. Every church you drive by where they're preaching the gospel, that's part of our family. Don't ever talk bad about other churches. You bless them. We look over at Grace Church, in whichever direction that would be. We look over at Grace Church and we bless them. We're glad that they're ministering and caring for people and preaching the gospel. We see Wooddale over there. We say, praise the Lord for Wooddale. God bless them. Use them. Bring salvation through them. We look over at Life Church and we go, those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are not our competitors. They are part of this army of God. We are part of the Twin Cities body of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ in America. Did you realize there are 384,000 churches worshiping this morning? That's just in America. 384,000, so says Google. I didn't do a theological check on everyone. I don't know, but I know there's a lot of them out there. <clears throat> and they are preaching the gospel and ministering places that we could never touch. And we thank God that we are part of that body of Christ. And then worldwide, there's over 2 billion Christians. I know we have to define Christians, but what, there's a lot of Christians out there. And we are part of the body of Christ worldwide. And when you got saved, it was not to be isolated, but that God brought you into his family. And it's an exciting thing to be part of the family of God. But what holds us together? Because the parts of a body, if you laid them out on a table, aren't very pretty. They're pretty when they work together, when they're drawn together, when they work as God has called our body to work. And really that comes through relationship. It comes through learning to love each other. What love covers a multitude of sin. 
when we love each other, we can overlook the things that bug us or that may drive us apart. We say, you know, didn't really like that, but hey, it's my brother over there. It's my sister. That's my family member. And we learn to love each other as we know and trust each other. And that comes out of relationship. The old adage, united we stand, divided we fall. God wants to unite us as his family, as the body of Christ. So may I just say that relationships are incredibly important to this church. And may I also say that relationships are incredibly important to you. And my heart is that every single one of you could live the abundant life that God has promised you. I know we can follow Christ and not live an abundant life, but God has abundant life for every single one of us. And I will tell you, it only comes in good relationships. You can't live that abundant life isolated from others. God wants to build relationships in us. That's part of our our plan, our, our, our vision statement for the church. Part of it is where disciples of Jesus are made. We've spent the summer talking about discipleship what it is to be a disciple, what God wants to work in us as a disciple, what disciples do. Discipleship is key to what it is to be a Christian. But discipleship never happens in a vacuum. It happens as God works in your life and as people speak into your life. Recently, I just challenged a brother on something, and I appreciated his response. I was just very gentle, but I said, you know, just spoke something. He just turned and said, Thanks for speaking into my life. I'm not sure if it was a blow-off or if it was a... <laughs> I don't know what exactly it meant, but he said... The, I thought, good. I didn't mean any... All I mean is I want to help him grow. And I saw an area that I thought, I think I can gently challenge that. I need that in my life. You need that in your life. But we also need people who will come around us when we succeed and give us high fives. I'm part of a men's group on Tuesday morning. And when someone does something good... We like to high-five across the table because someone needs to cheer us on when we do right, not just look for times when we do wrong. And when we do wrong, somebody will pick us up and help us not stay down, but the Scripture says the righteous man falls, but seven times he arises. Uh, I hope I don't fall at all, but if I do, I hope there are brothers that will come alongside and stand with me and pick me up. We need each other. So here's the question. How do we structure this church? As pastor, as a group of elders, we ask this question. How do we structure ourselves as a church to help your relationships grow so that you can fulfill your purposes and grow as a disciple, that we be a Christ-centered church and an outward-looking community? Let me just read that one more time. Quite a bit in that little question. How do we structure ourselves as City Hill Church to help your relationships grow so that you can fulfill your purposes and grow as a disciple of Christ and that we would become a Christ-centered, outward-looking community? How do we do that? Well, let me give you a hint. Sunday morning church service is not the answer. It's a good thing but it falls short. There's no way that this hour and a half of Sunday morning can fulfill your spiritual needs. 
It just can't. Worship is important. I, I believe we should be here at church. When the, there's a, I saw someone with a shirt the other day that said, I'm a padrishner. A padrishner is someone that goes to church online only. Kind of a cute shirt, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it if they think that somehow their worship experience is from their home on their computer, isolated from brothers and sisters. I go, it's not what God would have for us. Because isolated, you're vulnerable. And together we have the body of Christ to stand together and help us win the war that we are fighting. So Sunday mornings are important. This is our weekly celebration. But you can come to church here for a year every Sunday morning and people cannot know your name. You can come every Sunday morning and feel isolated walking in and out, go, where, where are the people? You don't form the friendships normally on a Sunday morning. Friendships are formed outside of this building. They're formed in homes when you're sitting down, you're having a meal together. You're opening your heart, you're, you're playing together. I form relationships out on the golf course. You form relationships fishing together, traveling together. You form relationship when you're sharing and praying for each other. When we get outside of here is where those relationships can really begin to be deepened. And then we come to church on Sunday morning and we see those people that we formed relationships with. I believe that gathering outside of this church is incredibly important. And our community will be formed. We want to see a community. The early church, they met together every day, daily in the courts. Now, if I announce that program, we're going to be the other, we're going to meet every day of the week. I don't think we're quite ready for that. And that's not my vision for the church here in Eden Prairie, but I do believe that a regular basis, meeting together, praying together is key to our walk and our discipleship as followers of Jesus Christ. So our community will grow that way. You know, my vision for this church, I just want to just, uh, if I could snap my fingers, jump ahead five years, I want to tell you what I'd love to see this church look like five years down the road in one area. I'd love to see us be a life group church. I'll say that again, to be not a church that has life groups, but to be a life group church where you have solid deep relationships inside of life groups. And then we come together Sunday morning to celebrate the joy and the love we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that life groups would be far more than a program, but they'd be kind of our way of life as a church. I'll give you five examples of why I think that's important. Number one, pastoral care. Folks, if you think that I can give proper pastoral care. So a morning like this, we probably have 275 here at church. There's probably um, 500 people that would say City Hill is my church. People aren't in church every Sunday, so we have a list of probably 500 people. If you think that I can provide pastoral care for that group of people, you're wrong. First of all, you'd be highly frustrated, and second of all, I'd go crazy. I can't, I can't do that, nor should I do that. It's a bad plan. The plan would be is that we as a church would care and nurture one another and that we'd have leadership that could give 
much better pastoral care because a lot of times you really don't need the pastor. It's about the body of Christ ministering. We need someone who will listen to us, someone who will walk with us, someone who will take a phone call, somebody who will pray with us, go out to lunch with us. We need pastoral care on a much greater level. And I believe life groups will greatly help us in that direction. Number two, outreach. Kurt Ulrich is our outreach pastor. Does a good job with it. Appreciate it, Kurt. But outreach is not for the select few who feel a call to evangelism. We thank God for those. But we'd like to see every, every life group involved at some level in outreach. That might be cleaning the house of a lady down the street. That might be joining in love, word, and deed once a year to go down to the streets and help feed the homeless. There's all different kinds of ways in which we can do outreach. And as you minister, let me tell you, when you minister together with people, it binds you together. When you, we went down, our life group went down and packed boxes for uh, Christmas child boxes. We had a blast. Just one evening, we had a race against some other team. We're packing boxes. We're laughing together. We're serving Jesus together. It binds us together as we serve and reach out into the world. So outreach can be multiplied. I've already mentioned the deepening of community. We live in such an isolated world. So many of you live isolated. I shouldn't speak for you. But many people live isolated lives where they go home, they're alone, they're isolated, and it, it, can, it makes us vulnerable to so many things of the enemy who want to tempt us towards sin, bring discouragement, depression. I believe we need each other in this walk of life. So our community grows. Number four, development of leadership. We have a lot of leaders in this church. Some that, we don't, that I've not even discovered yet. But there are lots of leaders here, and the goal is not to come join church staff. The goal is to release people into doing and fulfilling their plans and purposes. The key verse that I would say is a key verse for me and for this morning is Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers... And what, what were they given to do? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So that's my job. My job is not to do the work. My job is to equip the saints. All you saints, raise your hand. You're a saint this morning and, and tomorrow. Hallelujah. The saints, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That you could do the work and the purposes and the projects, and the caring, and the pastoring, as God is calling you to do in Jesus' name. So we want to develop leadership, help you grow as leaders, help you learn how to lead, help train you how to better care for people. We want to develop leadership. And lastly, number five, and there's probably more than this, but that life groups would be a place where we can find Safe places to express and grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God has given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build up the church. But in a setting such as this, I know that many people are intimidated 
They may have a word for, from the Lord, but this is a bigger setting. Logistically, that's difficult. They're growing in the gifts. And life groups gives us an opportunity where sitting around the table, sitting in somebody's living room, after a meeting, say, you know, the Lord spoke a word to me today. And I wanted to share that word with you. I've had people do that in the life groups I've been a part of at this church. It's nothing scary. Just people have come up and said, you know, Pastor, I was praying for you this week. Hallelujah. Pastor, I was praying for you this week, and I know the Lord, the Lord gave me a word for you. And they'll share the word, and it's, it's encouraged my soul. It's built me up. It's given me strength for another day. And that happens when life groups are functioning properly. I believe that this is what God's calling us to as a church. That he calls us to be a, a wonderful Sunday morning church, but much more than that. To be a church that fights against the American independence and fights for the connectedness, the community, the spirit-filled, discipled, growing community that he wants City Hill to be. I want to pray as I close today. Father, thank you for your love that makes this all possible. That God, we really can't do this without you. But God, I pray that you would help us grow as a community and as smaller life group communities. God, that you'd help us to rearrange our lives and our schedules and, and that our priorities would reflect your purpose for us in your word. Be with us today, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd be building, even today, initial lines of connection between us. And that, God, that our relationships would be life-giving. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to worship the Lord, and then we're going to little family business, and then we're going to dismiss you to the tables. So what I'd like you to do is, as we stand in worship, let's stand, please. As we stand in worship, be asking the Lord, say, Lord, how am I to respond? Do you have a life group for me, a place where I can more personally tie into the body of Christ here at City Hill? And then if God puts that on your heart, when we dismiss in a few minutes, when we don't dismiss, we let you get over to the tables for 10 minutes. Let's see what God will do in and through our life groups here at City Hill. God bless you. You are the Lord Almighty, our shining Lord.